So 10 years ago, um, when I was an 18-year-old freshman in college, um, I had no idea what life was going to be like. And I went to a Christian college um, similar to one like this. Um, if you've never heard of it, it's called the Moody Bible Institute. Um, and Moody is located in the heart of Chicago. It's right there in downtown Chicago. And every student who was enrolled at the Moody Bible Institute had to do this thing called a practical Christian ministry. Uh, which a practical Christian ministry is kind of like you would go to a ministry site once a week and you had to either tutor children or, you know, do youth group with someone from the churches or something like that. So that's what we had to do. And we didn't get to decide uh, what we wanted. They actually decided for us. And I was the lucky person to get uh, placed in the street evangelism team. Um, and what an adventure that was, let me tell you. Uh, as an 18-year-old in the heart of Chicago, having to pass out gospel tracts to strangers. Um, that is not my jam, um, but it's what I had to do. And so one night, on a Friday night, because that's what we want to do on Friday night, right, is go pass out gospel tracts. Um, but I went, and, I'm, I'm, you know, people were kind of nice, which was a good thing. Um, I would pass out my gospel track, and people, I think they felt pity for me, and they would grab it, and they would say, hey, thank you, you know, all that good stuff. So, and I was one of those um, wanting to be, like, an achiever, and so I want to pass out as much gospel tracks as I can because I wanted to win, and so I would just pass it out, like, you know, and people would take it, like Buddy the Elf in the movie when he just kind of grabs the flyer, and he's like, thank you, and thank you, and thank you, um, and that's kind of how it was. And it, we were right in Michigan Avenue, so if you know anything about Chicago, uh, Michigan Avenue is famous for the Magnificent Mile, right? And basically all that means is that there's a mile long of retail stores that people go and tourists go and they shop. And so I'm there and I'm passing out my gospel track, but for the first time, someone tells me no. And it kind of threw me off a little bit, and so I happened to look up, and lo and behold, the person who told me no was famous actor um, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Now, you know, I've seen his movie Dodgeball, right? Some of you have seen that, or maybe his Christmas movie with Reese Witherspoon called Four Christmases, and I never thought I was going to meet Vince Vaughn, but I thought, you know, if, if I happen to come across him, he might be a nice guy. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know, but he told me no. An 18-year-old struggling to pass out gospel tracts who doesn't really want to be out there at 18, and he tells me no. What a letdown it was for me. Um, but have you ever met someone who didn't meet your expectations? Right? When you think about it, and, and you're like, man, people hype this person up. They told you they were the person to meet. And then you meet them, and it's just like, well, you're just kind of, you know, average. Um, or maybe you've, you're that person, right? We don't want to admit that. But people are like, man, you got to meet Paul, right, when he was coming. And you met him, and it's like, eh, you know, <laughs> he's just your average guy. Like, I don't know. I don't know how they hyped him up, but he's not really anything special, right? Um, but, you know, have you ever stopped uh, to look at your life 
and, and wonder or ask your question if life meets your expectations? I mean, if you, if you just take a moment and you look back at your story and you think, man, you know, I don't know if I would have written it that way. Or I don't, I don't know if I would have chosen um, to be born with those parents. Or to have, you know, this type of ethnicity. Um, or to, to come to Sterling College. Like, I don't, I don't know if that would have been something that I would have chosen. Right? Or, or maybe some of you have gone through deep trauma. Uh, pain. Struggle with depression or anxiety. And life is just not what you thought it would be. Or maybe some of you have been in here in these chapels and you've listened about this God or this Jesus and you're like, listen, it's not meeting my expectations. Like, I don't get this. I don't understand what this all means. And I'm just not impressed by who this God is. Or maybe some of you have followed God or believed in Jesus and you're just like, this is not what I signed up for. I mean, not at all. And so... The, the question that I want us to wrestle with in our short time together is this. Um, what do we do when life doesn't meet our expectations? What do, what do we do um, when we don't get the job that we're working towards now, right? Some of you want to be artists, um, doctors, athletes, uh, pastors. I mean, I don't know. A lot of you probably have a lot of aspirations, but what happens if you don't get it? Um, what happens when the relationship that you never thought you're going to lose and you lose it? What happens then? Or when our trauma and our pain has us acting out in ways that we never thought we could even act out on? Or when we get diagnosed with a certain mental illness or a chronic medical illness or someone that we love unexpectedly dies, um, what do we do? What do we do when we feel so betrayed or let down by this God that we're singing about? What do we do then? And so our passage this morning, I think, is going to help us answer that question. So if you have your Bible with you or however form you have it, um, turn with me to Psalm 42. Um, and it's in, the, it's in the book of Psalms, literally in the middle of the Bible. And it's going to be on the screen so you can follow along there as well. But we're going to start, um, we're going to read the whole psalm, but we're going to focus on verses 1 through 8. All right, and the psalm reads this way, and I'm reading from the New International Version. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. 
Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about my mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony and my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So the first thing that we do when life doesn't meet our expectations is that we be honest with where our heart is. It's okay to not be okay. And I don't know, some of you might know this and some of you might not, but a psalm, right, was typically a song um, or a prayer. And it's really interesting because we have these very human, raw, emotional, even painful words that were written by human beings crying out to God or singing to God about where they were as people. And a majority of the psalms are a category entitled lament psalms. And lament psalms is, what, is what exactly what we just read right now. Psalm 42 is what we call a lament psalm, which is basically the writers of this psalm are in anguish, they're in some form of pain, there's something not right, and they're crying out to God saying, hey, something isn't right, I don't feel great right now. This isn't what I like. Um, This isn't what I signed up for. Our enemies are beating us. I don't get it, right? And every psalm, lament psalm, except for one, typically ends with hope. And it's not because they've reached this place of hope, right? But it's because they, within their own souls, know and remember a God who brought them out of their anguish and tragedies and slavery and all those things. And so in the beginning of this psalm, we can see, right, in verse 1, that our psalmist is in some sort of desperation. I mean, he's, he's expressing his anguish by equating it to a deer, a deer who is panting for water. I mean, have you ever seen dogs, right, when they're like, <laughs> like they're just like desperate, they're panting because they're hot or they're thirsty, right? Or maybe you, when you're, if you're exercising or when you're just so parched and you're so thirsty that you just need water or else you're going to pass out, right? Or for some of us like me who get hangry, right, when you don't eat, and you're just in pain and hunger pains because you need to eat, right? It becomes a form of desperation. And our psalmist is saying, I am longing for God in that way, which implies that he's not satisfied, right? I mean, there's an implication here that there's something missing, that God isn't meeting his need in some way. And so he's panting, he's longing for God, And it just implies here that he hasn't felt him. It's not like when you drink water and you sometimes you can like feel it go down into your stomach and you can just feel the hydration in your body. I mean, he can't feel it. And then he goes on in verse 2 and he questions God, where can I meet with you? 
You know, and back in his day, you met with God in the temple. That's where God resided. And for some reason, he's not able to get there. And so he's saying, where am I supposed to go now? Like, what am I supposed to do? And in verse 3, he continues on to express his pain and his sorrow and his deep sadness. I mean, he has been so down and in such despair that his food are his tears. Have you ever been so sad that you couldn't eat? Or maybe so nervous before a test and you just can't, can't drink anything, you can't eat anything? Have you ever just been so overwhelmed by things going on in the world? Or maybe you have cried all night. Those have been your food day and night, your tears. That's where our psalmist is expressing And he goes on saying, man, people all around me are making fun of me. I mean, the people all around me are telling me, where's that God you believed in? Where's the God that you so proclaimed that he was this great and mighty king? Where is he? I mean, I don't see him. And sometimes I think we all have those people in our lives, right, who just kind of wait for us to fail. Right? Or sometimes we have those people that they like somehow catch us in our worst moments, and it's like, see, I told you, I told you not to do that, or I told you not to go that way. And then sometimes those people are actually our, our own selves. Sometimes we are our own worst enemies. And, and we want to be in places in our lives that we're just not. Right? I mean, sometimes we, we want to be as healthy as the, as the person we look up to, right? Or we want our healing to hurry up. We want our situation to just hurry up. Or for some of us, we want to be the godliest person ever known to man, and so we try to do all these things. Or we try to project ourselves as these people that our closest friends want us to be, but we're just not. But we hear those inner critics in our minds saying, hey, um, Where's your, where's your healing, Naya? Like, hello, right? Or I thought you were going to do this. Why aren't you doing it? Or why are you not getting this concept already? Or I thought you believed in God, Naya, but your situations don't look like you do. It's our own inner critics. And sometimes we are our own worst enemies. And friends, I mean, the psalmist just continues to be honest with where he is. I mean, he's like, I remember the days. I remember the things when, when God was there, but I, I can't shake this feeling that I have, right? I mean, I used to be under your protection, God. I mean, I used to go to your house, and I can't. I used to be joyful. I used to sing with songs of festive throng. I mean, I was, I was there, jumping up and down, praising you, and I'm, and I'm just not. I'm not there. And the psalmist continues to talk to himself in verse 5, and it's more of a rhetorical question that he asks in the beginning of verse 5 when he, you know, he's acknowledging his turmoil and he's asking his own self, like, why am I so downcast? Right? Why is my soul so disturbed within me? And, you know, have you ever asked yourself those questions sometimes? Like, why... Why am I so down? Or why did I make that mistake? 
or why do I feel so messed up, or why did I choose to go this way instead of that way? And listen, friends, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little vulnerable with you um, because I'm standing up here as one where the past two years of my life, and you're like, you're only 27, you had years, worse years of your life? Yeah, unfortunately I have. Um, two years, the past two years of my life have probably been the worst years of my life. Um, and, you know, I remember sitting where you were. I remember having to go to chapel, listen to the speaker, falling asleep, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, and I was thinking, I had these dreams, like I was going to be this amazing pastor. Like that was my route. And so I finished undergrad, you know, and I went to seminary, and I did my Master of Divinity, and I had people come alongside me and told me, like, you have such great potential. Like, you are going to go and do great things, especially as a Latina. Like, the, the time is prime for you. Like, you're going to go and do it. You're going to be the best. And I was like, man, I think I am. Like, I am told buying it. I'm, I'm believing these people. I'm going to go out and change the world. I got an internship lined up. I mean, I'm ready. <laughs> I was vibrant, and I was ready at 25 years old. And I moved my stuff from Chicago to Kansas City, and I don't know why, so don't ask me why I did that, but I moved from the Chicago to Kansas City. And I'm going to tell you, my dream just came crumbling down right in front of my eyes. Um, I mean, my trauma and my childhood wounds were triggered in ways that I didn't think were even possible. I thought I had dealt with those things already, but I had not. Um, I was disregarded and betrayed by the church that I went to because they um, were telling me that I couldn't be a pastor or a certain kind of pastor because I was a woman. Um, I was the only minority on staff, so go figure that as well. Um, I was accused of painful, some really painful things that weren't true about me. Um, I couldn't maintain healthy relationships, and I deeply hurt people that I loved because of it. Um, and I became my most unhealthy self. And so this 25 vibrant, ready to pursue her dream it just, I mean, it all came, it all came crashing down, and I was probably in the lowest place I'd ever been to in my life, to the point where I think when Paul reached out to me, well, I don't know, it was like a couple months ago, I didn't know if I was able, going to even be able to, to say yes, um, because I was just so angry. I was so angry. I was so hurt. I was angry at God, very, very angry at God. I, I mean, I, I left the church because I was like, screw that. Um, because I was just so wounded. And I felt like God had let me down, that he let me out in the cold to suffer alone. I'm like, I gave you seven years of education. Like, I studied, <coughs> you know, and this is, what, this is what my life is like now? Like, are you kidding? I mean, can you imagine? I was just, just really angry. And you know what? I'm going to be real. Like, I was ashamed, though. Like, I was ashamed, to be honest, with where I was, <coughs> to admit that I wasn't healthy or the person that people thought I was going to be. Um, I was ashamed that I had anxiety to the point that I couldn't control it and had to get on antidepressants. Like, I was just not in a great place. And friends, I'm here to tell you that when life doesn't meet our expectations, when our dreams crumble before our eyes, I'm here to tell you that it's okay to be honest. 
to be honest with where your heart is at, to share with those around you where you are really, and to let help come in, to seek help. And so, friends, when life doesn't go the way that we plan, first, be honest. But second, when things don't change, because they don't oftentimes, and when life just continues to be in this hard place, I'm going to encourage you and ask you to dare to hope. Um, in, in the second half of that verse 5, the psalmist switches gears, as I told you in the lament psalm, that he goes to hope. <coughs> and he tells himself to put his hope in God, to put him, yeah, his hope in, in God. And like I told you before, it's not because he actually is now, okay, everything's great, I'm hopeful now, but it's because he remembers, in verse 6, he remembers the God who was in the Jordan with him, who, who rescued his people out of slavery in the book of Exodus. I mean, he remembers how God provided food for them, how God was with them and is continuously with him. And that is why he is able to put his hope in God, to have that perspective that even when life stinks right now, I can still have hope that I will be brought through, that God is with me. And, you know, friends, for some of us, like, that little hope, those little graces in the times of hardship is those little TikTok videos, right, that we watch so often um, on our phones. Or it's those memes that we send to each other or those gifts that we send to each other to make each other laugh. Or it's those times where we hang out with friends and it's a good time and we're just laughing and enjoying life. Those little things are graces that God gives us. They're moments that God gives us that we can make it through the next moment, the next hour, the next day. Because, friends, the heart is going to always be here. Hard days are going to come. But it is those little things that God gives us in our day-to-day -day life that helps us through those times. And in verse 8, the psalmist says that he remembers God like a song in the night, and that his soul cries out to God because after all, he is the God of his life. And I'm going to tell you something, that in my moments of not wanting to do anything with God, in my moments of frustration, I will tell you, when I was laying in bed at night and I was weeping by myself, when I couldn't even utter the words to pray to God, for some reason, my soul still cried out to him. That even when I was upset with him, the one thing that I knew when I was in my bed was that if I said, Lord, I know you're here, it's like my soul couldn't help but to cry out to God. And they weren't pretty words that I would say, okay? Like, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I wasn't like, God, I love you. No. In fact, I was angry. I was yelling. I was screaming. I was in tears. But it's, that, it's, the, it's the reality that it's the God of my life, that even when I can't be sustained, even when I can't believe, when I can't choose him, he still, my soul utters words that I can't. And he continues to be the God of my life. So when life doesn't meet our expectations... Dare to hope. Dare to hope. And friends, this is the sweet message of the gospel. That when you and I can't believe, or when you and I can't love, when you and I can't choose God, he chose and chooses us. That he came down in flesh in the form of a man named Jesus and took on all the garbage of this world, 
and put it on his body so that he could feel it. So he could feel the things that we feel and experience the things that we do. And he took it to death and he put it to death. And he rose again so that you and I can have the choice to believe. We could have the choice to love, the choice to choose him, the choice to heal, to experience goodness and redemption and reconciliation and get this. And this is the most important thing I want you to leave here with today is that his love never stops even when we don't choose him. Even if you don't choose him, his love doesn't stop. His belief in us doesn't stop. His grace doesn't stop even when we don't see it. His mercy doesn't stop even if you don't think you deserve it. And I know it's so hard to wrap our minds around, especially if we have relational wounds, right? It's just so hard to comprehend that there's somebody in the world who actually doesn't stop pursuing and loving us, but it's true, and that's the message of the gospel. And so students and faculty of Sterling College, when life takes you to unexpected places, be honest with where you are. Be honest with where you are and seek help. And second, when life doesn't meet your expectations, may I exhort you to to dare to hope. I dare you. I dare you to hope. And as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. states, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. Let's pray. Padre, te damos gracias por este día. Te damos gracias por esta palabra. Y Padre, we ask you that you would be with us that we would be honest with where we are, that you would um, grant us, Lord, the grace and the strength to make it through our days, to accept hardship, um, to grieve it well. And Lord, I just pray um, for the students and for the people here that you would, God, would you just show up in their life in ways that they need you to in ways that they need to experience you. God, I ask that you would do that. And I pray through this um, Lent season and going into Easter, um, Lord, would you just show yourself in miraculous ways. And Lord, we ask all these things in your name. Amen.